Well, Merry Christmas. You know, it just, uh, it seems like coming to church on Christmas Day just makes this day uh, all that much more meaningful. And you know, uh, all this week I've been reading about what other churches were doing. Some churches were having to cancel uh, services and, and all that they do. And I thought, you know, it is his birthday, right? And so uh, uh, we ought to come and, and we ought to celebrate that. And we understand that it's a great time of uh, family enjoyment and everything you're doing. And But it just adds a bit more emphasis to the reason for this season to be able to celebrate in worship on Christmas Day. And you know, today is a different kind of day for us in another way, too. Um, You know, for one thing, I have all of my children and their spouses in church. And Lee and I were trying to figure that up. And I don't think all of our kids have been in the same worship service uh, in over 20 years. And so uh, we got them here so I can finally tell them what I need to tell them uh, today. And another thing that has never, ever happened is we have all of our grand, we have nine grandchildren and all nine of our grandchildren are here. And I see Brooks is in the nursery. Is that where he is? Okay. So, uh, eight of them are here and one of them's in the nursery there, but we have all nine of our grandchildren here and that's good too. And I got a cousin that's here and his wife. And uh, so we're glad to have, uh, our family, uh, here. And, um, it's also different because this is the last Sunday then I'm going to have the opportunity to preach uh, to you as your pastor. So if I ever preach here again, it'll be as one of those wandering minstrels or something, you know, that comes uh, uh, to do that. But uh, it has been one of the joys of our life uh, to be able to serve as your pastor and to be with you. Um, um, you know, uh, it's, I've been in the ministry for 44 years full time. And six of those, I had the pleasure of uh, pastoring you guys. And, you know, I felt that God was saying, you know, Randy, it might be time for you to get off the pitcher's mound before you lose your fastball. And so that's that's what we uh, want to do. I've actually been serving the Lord in, uh, full time since he called me into ministry, either by preparing for ministry and serving in churches for 48 years. So Lee and I will retire from ministry, from full time pastoring, but not from ministering for the Lord. And it's our prayer that God's going to be able to show us this new season of our life, what it is that he has uh, for us. You know, somebody said that uh, um, you ought to to think about retiring before your church thinks about you retiring. And so that's what, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to, I wanted to go out uh, like that. And I've been talking to people and someone said, you know, the the problem with retirement is you never get a day off. And so I, I heard that and I think, you know, people are so busy in their retirement. And actually, Lee and I, have put off being young so we could retire young. And so that was our, our, our job all along. And I knew it was time to retire. Uh, the last time I had a birthday, they put a fire extinguisher right by the cake. And so I said, it's time for me uh, to retire. I'm excited for this church, though. I'm excited for First Baptist Church as you move ahead with Pastor Wayne as your lead pastor. I know that God has more in store for you personally and for this church corporately. The best is yet to come for this church. You know, I used to think that people who retire were really old, but now I don't think that. (laughs) People who retire are really seasoned and still have a lot to give. And uh, and I know that God's going to be able to use us in this new season of our life to serve uh, him and his church. So Pastor Wayne and I were talking about what we wanted to do at Christmas time, and we always like to, you know, come up with kind of a theme and kind of, you know, structure the services as we celebrate this very important time of the year around a theme. And we we came up with the theme, Making Christmas More. 
And we've already admonished you to make Christmas more about Jesus than Santa, more about giving than receiving, more about God's plan than your plans. And then Pastor Wayne challenged us last night to make Christmas more about the wonder. And today it's my responsibility to admonish you to make Christmas more about the future than the past. You know, isn't it funny that at Christmas time we all tend to get nostalgic? Uh, it, it just, you know, we like all the traditions that we've had in the past. We like the old fashioned Christmas. Like the song says, many are dreaming of a white Christmas just like the ones they used to know. I talked to a guy just the other day and he was telling me that he was trying to create the same kind of Christmas that he had as a young boy when he was growing up. You know, that's the way it is for many. It's about remembering how Christmas was in the past. In fact, when you think about it, even our celebration of Jesus Christ focuses on the past. At Christmas, we remember the time that Jesus came, and that was about 2,000 years ago in the past. And we tell stories that help us remember all the details of the very first Christmas when God became a man when a virgin gave birth to the Son of God, when the shepherds and the wise men sought the baby to worship him. And for many Christians, we make Christmas mostly about something that happened 2,000 years ago in the past. But wait, a proper Christmas should not be celebrated by only thinking about what happened 2,000 years ago. Because when we really study the Bible we can conclude that Christmas has always been more about the future than what has happened in the past. And even today, on Christmas Day, as we celebrate what happened 2,000 years ago when God broke into human history and, and, uh, uh, and, and became a man and was born in a manger, as we celebrate that event that happened 2,000 years ago, this Christmas today should be more about the future you know, the past celebrates that Jesus came, but today we should remember that there's go going to come another Christmas, a Christmas in the future, when Jesus is going to come once again. He's going to come into this world, and we don't usually call it Christmas 2.0, or we don't call it Christmas future. We usually call it the second coming. Jesus' first coming we call Christmas. His second coming is also a Christmas and should be celebrated right along with the first Christmas celebration. You know, one of our, our favorite Christmas carols that we like to sing at this time of the year is entitled Joy to the World. And it was written in 1719 by Isaac Watts. And we sing it as if the shepherds were saying these things about the baby that was born in the manger. And they were saying, joy to the world. Jesus has come into the world. The Lord has come. And, and we sing it as if that's what the song was about. But if you think about the, what the words are really saying, joy to the world, they do not direct us to the manger nor to Christ as a child that we celebrate at Christmas. In fact, Isaac Watts never intended his hymn to be a Christmas carol. The song was written, and it was based on Psalm 98, verses 4 through 9. You'll have to look that up and read it sometime. He wanted the church to joyfully sing about the Lord's coming to rule and judge the earth. In fact, Psalm 98, and verse 9 says this, For he comes to judge the earth, he will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Now, that doesn't sound like Christmas. It sounds like something that is yet to happen. 
Because joy to the world is not about Christmas past. It's about Christmas future. It's not about Jesus' first coming into the world. It's about his second coming into the world. The second or future Christmas. Christmas 2.0. That's what joy to the world is all about. Pastor John MacArthur once preached a sermon entitled Christmas Future. And in that sermon, here's what he said. He said, the first time Jesus came, there was no room for him in the end. But when he comes again, he's coming as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus came the first Christmas to die in the sinner's place. But Jesus is coming a second Christmas to receive the sinner to himself. Now, when we study the Bible, the scriptures tell us that Jesus came the first time veiled in flesh and people didn't even recognize him. That was the first Christmas. But he's coming a second time, and the Bible says that he's going to be crowned with glory, and every eye will see him, and everyone will recognize that it's the Lord Jesus Christ. The first Christmas was Jesus coming to be a sacrifice for our sins. The second time he comes, he's coming to be the sovereign judge over all of the earth. Pastor Adrian Rogers one time said, Our faith looks backward to a crucified Savior. Our love looks upward to a crowned Savior. And our hope looks forward to a coming Savior. That's Christmas past, present, and future. Christmas needs to remember his first coming, but it needs to be more than just that. It needs to be more about the future than it is about the past. And how wonderful it was when Jesus came, but how much more wonderful it's going to be that he is coming again. You know, the star on top of your Christmas tree, that star that we place on on a lot of our trees, isn't just to signify the star that led the wise men to the manger. That's Christmas past. It also signifies the bright and morning star will reign in majesty and great glory when he comes. That's Christmas future. It's like the Apostle Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19. He said, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it. As to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. That's what I want us to embrace today. We're not following a star to find a baby in a manger. We're looking for the bright and morning star that will come again in power and great glory. Christmas needs to be more about the future than it is about the past. If there's a verse in the Bible that captures both Christmases, Christmas past and Christmas future, it would have to be Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 28. Look at what it says. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. The first Christmas, Jesus came to be a sacrifice for our sins. That's why we celebrate Christmas. The baby in a manger was the Lamb of God that came to be a sacrifice for our sins. That's the past. The second Christmas will be Jesus coming to bring our completed salvation. That's the Christmas future that needs to be celebrated. And we need to celebrate Christmas by remembering the past. We need to remember Jesus being born into this world as the sacrifice for our sins. But also, we need to remember at Christmas time that he is coming again to bring our complete salvation. And so I want, in the moments that... We have in this worship service, 
just to talk to you about how you can make in your tradition and celebration of Christmas, how you can make Christmas more about the future and, and than, than you do the past. Because if you want to make Christmas more about the future, the first thing you have to realize is that all of prophecy points to the future Christmas. Because when you read the Christmas stories, make sure that you bring out the future Christmas along with the past Christmas. There are so many references to the second coming, to the millennial rule of the Lord Jesus Christ, right in plain sight in our favorite Christmas passages. For instance, Matthew chapter 2 and verse 6 promises a ruler. Look at what it says. It says, but to you, Bethlehem, out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now that's a quote from an Old Testament book, Micah, the Old Testament book of Micah. And in Micah chapter 5 and, and, and verse 4, the prophet foretells one that will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. Listen, that's Christmas future. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 32, one of our favorite Christmas passages, it says this of Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. All of these prophecies about Christmas point to the future Christmas, not just to the first Christmas. In fact, these prophecies have not yet happened. Although Jesus is a spiritual king who gives spiritual peace now, the fullness of his salvation has not yet been realized. And just to be clear, so everybody understands what I'm saying, Jesus is not currently ruling and reigning on the throne of David. And he didn't do that at his first coming. This will happen whenever he comes the second time. At his second coming, the second Christmas, these prophecies are more about the future than they are about the past. In fact, most of the prophetic writings in the Old Testament and most of the emphasis of the New Testament is about the future Christmas. Did you know that 17 books in the Old Testament mentioned the future Christmas? And most of them are books of prophecy. The New Testament prophesies about the future Christmas in 23 of the 27 books. In fact, one out of every 30 verses in the New Testament teaches us that Jesus is coming again. The very first reference to the second Christmas was God himself in the book of Genesis, chapter 3 and verse 15. Look at what it says. It says, God said this to Satan, that Jesus would crush his head. It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. That was a reference to the final victory over Satan. And when will the final victory over Satan be? That'll be when Jesus comes to reign in power and great glory. In fact, look at Romans chapter 16 and verse 20. The apostle Paul told the believers in Rome to hang on even though they were being persecuted because the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Now, Jesus didn't crush Satan at his birth. 
And he didn't crush Satan at his death or even at his resurrection. If he had, what Paul said to the Romans wouldn't have been true. But what Paul said to the Romans in Romans 16, 20 is true. Soon, Jesus will crush Satan under the feet of those who believe in Jesus. And that will happen in Christmas future. In Jude chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, we're told that the Old Testament patriarch Enoch prophesied about the future Christmas. It says this, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone, to convict all of them of all the ungodly acts they have committed in their ungodliness and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Enoch never prophesied about the first coming directly, but he directly prophesied about the second coming of Christ. Because the judgment of the ungodly happens at Christmas future when he comes again. In Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 9, it says this, The Lord will be king over the whole earth. And on that day there will be one Lord and his name, the only name. That happens when Christ comes again. In Job chapter 19 and verse 25, it's prophesied, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. That happens Christmas future. Isaiah 66 verse 17 says this about the second coming. See, I will create a new heaven and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they even come to mind. Christmas future will be a momentous time that will wipe out every consequence of sin and its effect on the old world. And we will have a new world in which to live for all of eternity. That's Christmas future. Joel chapter 2 and verse 31 spoke about the second coming of Jesus. It says the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And we know that this is talking about Christmas future because Jesus said the same thing in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 29. All of these are prophecies that speak about the future Christmas. So we celebrate Jesus Christmas because Jesus came into the world to offer himself as a sacrifice for our sins. But we also need to celebrate the future Christmas because that's when our salvation is going to be complete. And Jesus will once and for all crush Satan under the heels of all those who put their faith and trust in him. And he will reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is coming again. And that's the future Christmas. And we need to make Christmas more about the future. Now, we don't neglect the past. We don't neglect to celebrate that Jesus came to be a sacrifice for our sins. But don't neglect to tell your children. And don't neglect to celebrate yourself that there is going to be a second coming. There is going to be another Christmas when Jesus is coming again and celebrate the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. You know, not only do we see more about the future in the prophecies uh, of the Bible in scriptures, we also see that angelic messengers spoke more about the future Christmas than they did the past Christmas. Angels talked about the future Christmas. Listen to what the angel of the Lord told Joseph in Matthew 1.20. He said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit and she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name of Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, let me ask you a question. When will he save his people from their sins? When will that happen? 
When will Jesus save his people from their sins? It will happen in Christmas future. Yes, Jesus came. He offered himself as a sacrifice. He was crucified. He was buried. He rose again on the third day. His ministry and work on earth were completely finished. And when you place your faith in what Jesus did, when you call upon his name and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you have the promise of eternal salvation. You will be saved if you call upon his name. The Bible assures us of that. But our complete salvation, when we are completely saved from sins, will happen at the future Christmas when Christ comes again to save us all. Listen to what the angel told Gabriel to Mary. It's found in Luke chapter 1, verses 31 through 33. It says this, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, not all of what Gabriel said was fulfilled at the first Christmas. Gabriel was pointing beyond the baby born in a manger. He was pointing beyond the Lamb of God that would be sacrificed upon the cross. He was looking beyond the resurrection, beyond the ascension. Gabriel spoke about the future Christmas even before Jesus was born. And the angel spoke to the shepherds too. In Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 11, the angel of the Lord said, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people today. In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. That was also a message about the complete salvation that only Messiah could bring. And that complete salvation will occur when Jesus comes back to reign in power and with great glory. Do you remember what the two men dressed in white robes told the disciples when Jesus was taken into heaven after the resurrection? These were angels in human form. And in Acts chapter 1 and verse 11, it says, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. The angels draw our attention to the future Christmas. Jesus is coming again. The prophets draw our attention to the future Christmas. Jesus is coming again. But I want to tell you one more thing. Jesus wants you to prepare for the future Christmas more than he wants you to celebrate the first Christmas. Now, I know that that might be a little controversial today, but I think it's true in Scripture. Nowhere in the teachings of Jesus is it recorded that we should pay attention to his birth. But everywhere in Scriptures, we are told to pay attention to the future coming of Jesus Christ. The very words that Jesus used tell us about the importance of the future Christmas. He used words like, be ready, watch. And the great preacher of yesteryear, Alexander McLaren, said this, the primitive church thought a great deal more about the coming of Jesus Christ than about death. They thought a great deal more about his coming than they thought about heaven. In my studies, I find no Christmas celebrations among the first Christians. Those early Christians didn't celebrate the birth of Christ. Christians from the first century celebrated the resurrection of Christ on the first day of every week. On Sunday, they came together to worship and celebrate the resurrection. 
But it wasn't until more than 300 years after the resurrection that Christian groups began celebrating the birthday of Christ. In fact, though it sounds weird to us today, those early Christians were more likely to celebrate the death day of a Christian than the birthday of Jesus. And it wasn't until the 13th century that Christians began singing the Christmas carols that we love today. Almost all Christian historians agree that the early church had a greater focus on the second coming than they had on the first coming. And it was probably because they were closest to the last revealed words of Jesus Christ found in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12. Look at what Jesus said. Look, I'm coming soon and my reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. Listen, it's not bad to celebrate the first Christmas. It's not bad to celebrate the birthday of Christ. We love doing that. That's Christmas past. His first coming is a good thing to remember. Jesus came to be a sacrifice for our sins. But you can make Christmas more. You can make Christmas better whenever you make it more about the future than you make it about the past. Merry Christmas ought to mean more than looking back to the past of Jesus' first coming. It ought to mean looking to the future that Jesus is coming again. Historians tell us that the early Christians used to greet one another with an Aramaic expression. It was so popular that the expression made it into the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 22. In the King James Version of the Bible, here's what it says. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, maranatha. Now, the NIV translates those two unfamiliar words, anathema and maranatha, like this. They say, if anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed, anathema. And then it says, come, Lord, maranatha. That's what maranatha means. Maranatha means come Lord or our Lord is coming. And the King James Version of the Bible doesn't even translate the word. It just says Maranatha. That's how the early Christians would greet one another. When you saw another Christian coming to you, instead of saying good day or Merry Christmas or Hosanna or whatever you might say to a Christian, they would look at one another and they'd say Maranatha to remind one another that there's going to be a future Christmas that Jesus is coming again. You know, almost all the other Aramaic uh, words that are used in the New Testament were spoken by Jesus himself. Jesus spoke in the Aramaic language. In fact, in the New Testament, um, he spoke in Aramaic when he told a little girl to rise up, when he said, Talithakum. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, calling God by his, his choice Aramaic name, Abba, which means Father. It's a term of endear- endearment. And on the cross, Jesus spoke those words of anguish in Aramaic when he said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And could it be that those who were closest to the time that Jesus walked and talked on this earth could hear him admonishing his followers to think more about when he would come again? Maranatha. More about his second coming than his birthday, than his first coming. Hosanna means that the Lord has come to save. But Maranatha means that he's coming again soon to completely save us. Maranatha. 
And that's what we need. We need to make Christmas more this year, more about the future than about the past. Hosanna, the Lord has come to save us. Maranatha, even so, come, Lord Jesus, make our salvation complete. And I can't think of a better final word to say to people that I love and that I have pastored than this. Look for Jesus. He's coming soon. Be ready. Jesus is coming. Watch and do not grow weary. Jesus is coming. Merry Christmas. Maranatha. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the hope. Thank you for the promise. Thank you that Jesus came into the world. But Lord, thank you that you're coming again to completely save us. You're coming to crush Satan under your feet. You're coming again to completely remove us from the presence of sin. The power of sin in our life has no sway over us because you are Lord. But Lord, we're in the presence of sin. And so Lord, we pray. We pray that you might come soon. Even so. Maranatha, amen.